Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's one of our leaders, Andrew Haas. Hey, let's just praise Jesus again. Let's get back and excited, right? Just, just say, thank you, Jesus. Just say, thank you, Jesus, right? Say, thank you, Jesus. See, he says you're a new creature in Christ, right? The old things have passed away. The old things have become brand new, right? Brand new. You're brand new. Whatever you walked in here with, it can come off in Jesus' name. It can come off in Jesus' name. I, 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 need, I need to ask you guys for permission to do something tonight. Can we have fun? Can we just have a little fun? So, Psalms 37.4, you know what it says? It says, delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I'm going to tell you something. When I first read that, okay, when that, literally when that scripture really became something real to me, it was when I was trying to get married, right? So I'm like, ooh, I got some desires up in this heart, you know? So, but let me just tell you something. Since then, God has taught me something about that scripture. You know what the word delight means? It means a lighthearted enjoyment, Let's lightheartedly enjoy God. And do you know what he says he'll do? He will give you the desires of your heart. A desire is not a thing. He will put the right desires in your heart as you lightheartedly enjoy him. So whatever you walked in there, you know, most, most of the time when we come into church, we got the wrong desires. So when we come into church, let's lightheartedly enjoy him. Let's enjoy his presence. Let's soak up the presence of God and watch him change the desires of our hearts. Most of us, we, can't, we don't live a, we're not living a godly life, and it's because we got the wrong desires in our hearts. We need to learn to just enjoy Jesus. Let's just learn to enjoy his presence. But you know what? Sometimes you know what you need to do? You need to prime the pump a little bit. Some of you don't even know how to spend time in Jesus' presence. Some of you have no idea how to get into his presence. And sometimes it takes work. Sometimes you have to press into the presence of Jesus. Sometimes it's not just easy. Sometimes the sermons don't just come and drop. Sometimes you really got to press in. Let me just tell you something. You know, imagine, I want you to imagine the presence of Jesus and the flow of the Holy Spirit like a pump, a hand pump, right? And sometimes you really got to work at it, okay? Sometimes you really got to work at it. Sometimes you need to go into your room, shut the lights off, and just spend time on your knees praying before God. Sometimes you just need to throw, you know, let me just tell you something. Sometimes I can't read the word. Sometimes I just need to put some headphones on and just praise Jesus for an hour. Sometimes I just need to sit in his presence. And do you know what happens when I do that? I start to feel joy. I start to feel peace. I start to find direction back in where I felt purposeless before and where I felt hopeless. And I felt, see, the thing is, we, we think that just because we're Christians, we don't have the works of the flesh. So the, so the Bible says that the works of the flesh are evident, right? But the work, the, the fruit of the spirit is peace, joy. Man, listen to me. We need, we need to make, we, we need to put, put a priority on spending time with Jesus. A priority on spending time with Jesus. Can we preach tonight and can we really get into the presence of Jesus and can we just believe that as we come in here and spend time with him, he's going to change our desires and we're going to get to know him a little bit more tonight. And what we walked in, we're not going to walk out the same, amen? We need to define something before we get started, okay? I don't know if we have the scripture or not, but Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You know what assurance means? It is a foundation. So faith is the foundation. Do you know what hope means? 
It is a confident expectation. Some of you have been using the word hope way, way wrong. Well, I hope the Packers win tonight. Wait a minute. You confidently expect the Packers to win? No, I'm telling you, you can talk about sports all you want like that, but when you come to Jesus' house, you can confidently expect things to happen. You can confidently expect that he is the foundation with which you're putting your hope in. You see, we need to, have, we need to understand that term. See, you want to know why, most, why some of us don't get the things that we confidently expect? It's because you're not doing the things that you know you should be doing. See, you can't, God isn't going to do the things you can't do when you're not even doing the things you can. Now, listen to me. Sometimes, okay, you come in, you come in here and you're saying, God, I, I, God, I want, I want this. See, some of you, God, I want, I want more finances, but you refuse to give. Some of you are like, God, I, I, I need a spouse. I'm 35 and blah, blah, you know, but you refuse to hang out with a member of the opposite sex. Oh, come on, somebody. Faith doesn't need to be complicated. Faith don't need to be weird. Okay? I'm serious. Come on. Okay. I, I want to get in shape, but you refuse to go to the gym. Come on. Let me say something. God, God will do the things that you cannot do when you do the things that you can do. You do not need to do it perfectly. He doesn't expect you to. In fact, he expects you to understand Romans. It's not going to be up here. He expects you to understand Romans 7, 18. In my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. And I, there ain't no way. The flesh profits nothing. So he, he expects you to come to that point where you just begin to say, Lord, I'm going to give it my 100% and trust that you take me to the 150%. Because the things that you cannot do, he'll take you across the finish line for. Come on, somebody. All right, so let me ask you this question. Why are you here? And I don't mean like here in this room, but I mean like as a human being, why do you exist? Yes. You see, so, do you ever, you ever felt purposeless? Utterly purposeless. Like I have, I am like a weed in the red. Like I got nothing. I'm flopping back and forth, right? I'm bored. Have you ever been bored before? Yeah, yeah. Purposeless, you got nothing going on in your life, nothing going for you. You want to know why you feel like that? And let me just tell you, those two things are from the pit of hell. They are straight up from the pit of hell. And when you engage those two things, think about any time you've ever fallen into sin, I'll guarantee you when it was feeling, you were feeling purposeless and you were bored. Yeah, that's because, that's because those things are from the devil. And when you engage those things, you begin, you begin to align your will with his, and we're going to talk about that. Listen. Spending time with Jesus, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.9, it says, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. The reason you exist here on this earth, the reason we are here is to fellowship with Jesus. That's why we're here. We need to always come back to that. See, if you don't have that as a solid foundation, if you don't, if you don't have that as a, a focal point to always come back to, it's like, this is why I exist there is no other reason for me to be here on this earth than to spend fellowship with Jesus. You, then then when, you, when you realize that and you pursue that as your number one pursuit, I'm not saying that you shouldn't pursue the things God's called you to do on this earth, but you were first called to Jesus. And you know what happens when you begin to pursue that? Boredom and purposelessness fade away. They don't, they don't, have, any, they don't have any place they don't have any place in fellowship with Jesus. We need to learn that. 
So let me just tell you something, okay? So when your, your call, your call is first and foremost to Jesus. Salvation and your calling are free. They're absolutely free. To see him manifest in your life, there's going to be a price to pay. Did you get that? God's free gift of salvation, and he called you for fellowship with himself, but to see that fellowship come to pass, it's going to cost you something. There's a price to pay. Somebody grab the person next to you and say, there's a price to pay. Some of you walked in here like, this is the best place ever. This dude's telling me to grab someone, and I just grabbed this chick's hand next to me. I don't even know her. This is great. All right, so what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk tonight. I'm going to talk you guys through this story in the Bible. And it's a story that, to tell you the truth, I hadn't given much thought before this. And it's a story about this woman who was sick. And she came to Jesus for healing. The Bible says that she was, she, well, she had the, she had the, 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 the Bible's uh, longest menstrual cycle. We'll put it that way. Yuck. So let me just say, so this, the, the, she, the Bible calls her the woman with the issue of blood, right? So the Bible says she had a disease, and for 12 years of her life, she was living with this disease, and she came to Jesus for healing and got healed. So we're going we're gonna to read through this story. Can we do that? Okay. So let me give you a little backdrop here first. So Jesus is at one of the high points of his ministry, right? He just got done casting the, the demon out of the dude that, you know, had all like the thousands of demons in him, and he made him go into pigs. Right, and so he's like, and that guy, that dude goes out, and he's like telling everybody. So everybody hears about Jesus. So then Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples, goes across the, the sea, and uh, the Bible says that there was this great multitude of people waiting there for him on the other side. And then it says that there was this synagogue leader. So he was some dude from the you know the church into the area. I came up to him and said, Jesus, I need you to come heal my daughter. So then he said, okay, and he agreed to go with this man. Okay, so that we're going to pick up the story there, okay? There we go. Verse 24, Mark 5, 24. And he went off with him, and this was the guy that asked him to heal his daughter, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. So when you, I just need you to understand that word pressing, okay? So God, I need to understand this. So when Jesus was there, he's walking in this crowd, and that word pressing, I'm not going to try and butcher it in the Greek, but basically what it means is, is that he was crowded in on every side, right to the left, front, behind. There was nowhere for him to go where he could not touch somebody, right? So Jesus is walking. I think you ever have been to a concert where there's lots and lots of people, right? Right? You've been to a concert. Don't, don't, don't not raise your hand. So he's there, and he's in, the, he's in this crowd, right? So he's moving like that. Okay. It says, and a woman, everybody say a woman, a woman, remember that, who had a hemorrhage for 12 years. Can, can, let's just, can we just talk about that for a quick second? A lot of you ladies out there, can you imagine that for 12 nonstop years? Ouch. Can you imagine how sick you would feel? How empty you would feel, how weak you would feel, and how, how awful this lady must have felt. How, how no, you know, the Bible says that the life is in the blood. Imagine 12 years of your life just leaving you, you know, and just being totally sick, you know, and having no strength. And on top of that, the, Levit the Levitical law 
said that this woman had to be outside the camp. The Levitical law said that this woman, she couldn't even touch anybody because she was considered unclean. So she couldn't be around her kids. She couldn't be around her husband. She's sick, right? So you got to understand the mental state of this woman was desperate, right? She, she had nothing. She was sick. So for 12 years, and then she had endured at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather she got worse. How many of you have spent, let me ask you this question, how many of you have spent all that you had trying for people, going to people asking for help and all you did was get worse? Yeah, how, yeah, I can relate to that. You see, the Bible says in, Mark, in John 6, 63, it says that the flesh profits nothing, and then it is the spirit that gives life. You see, we spend a lot of our currency in the flesh. We spend a lot of our currency in the flesh, and we go to the, pe- we go, we go to the physicians, or we go to what I, what I like to call, we go to the flesh for the answer. We go there, and you know what it ends up doing is it ends up making us worse. And I can relate to that because I've spent, I've spent a lot of my life doing that, going to the flesh for the answer. You know, you all, you all know the uh, story of Adam and Eve, right? So Adam, Adam and Eve in Genesis, when they go to, Jesus comes to them and says, you can eat of any tree in the whole garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you can't eat. What part of that tree did he not want them to eat, the good part or the evil part? He said, don't eat the tree. So let me just, say, let me just tell you something. God isn't interested in the, th- in the good things that we can do for him. He said the flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit that gives life. You see, I've, we, we have got to come to the place, okay, this woman spent everything that she had. That's a woman who can cry out like in Romans 7, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death, right? Because she had come to the very end of herself where she had spent everything that she had. So we've got to come to that place where we've dropped it all. We've spent it all. And we're totally and absolutely desperate. Because what happens when we do the things that we know we can do? God picks up. God picks up the tab. So she would not help, and rather she got worse. And says, after hearing, everybody say hearing. You know, faith comes from hearing. The Bible says that faith comes from hearing. After hearing about, oh, she heard about Jesus, right? So this woman had gotten to the very end of her natural resources. All of her money was spent, right? She gets to the end of her natural resources, and she hears about Jesus. And you know what happened in her? Faith arose. She came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. What is that? Can somebody help me here? Sam, can you stand up here real quick? Brooke, I need your help too. Come here. Miranda, stand up here. All right, this is going to be fun, okay? All right, so you stand right next to Sam, okay? All right, now, okay, come a little closer. No, no, not like that. Side to side, side to side, like this, okay? All right, now, Brooke, stand right here, all right? Now, I'm Jesus, okay? I'm back here, and she's sick, right? Not literally, but like she's a sick one, right? And she's trying, to, she's trying to touch me, right? And let's just remember, she's got no strength. 
all right? She spent 12, the last 12 years of her life in a sick state, emotionally drained, right? And then she's got to come here, and she's got to get through this, okay? Because then these people, remember, they know her. Well, they know her, right? They don't want to be touched by her because the Bible says that she's unclean, right? So she's now got to press through in a, in a weak state. She's got to get to me, right? She's got to get to me. So there's a price to pay. So she, she's come, you guys, there's a price to pay. You see, her faith, she heard Jesus and faith arose, right? But that faith is going to cost her something. She already, she already spent all her natural currency, and now Jesus was asking for her spiritual currency. So she had to, she had to her faith was going to cost her something. You see, let me just tell you something. You need to, we need to understand this. The good things that we do for God, like coming to church and tithing, let me just tell you something. If you're tithing and you're giving your money and faith isn't involved, you might as well not even be doing it. If you're praying for somebody and faith isn't involved, they're gonna, they're, it's going to damage their faith is what it's going to do. If you're, if you're, whatever you're doing for God, faith is a requirement. But let me just tell you something. At some point, your faith is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. Everybody say, it's going to cost me something. So she came up behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, for she thought, if I could just touch his garments, I will get well. Right? So this lady, she just, her faith, okay, it came in as a thought, right? It wasn't some big, mighty thing. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. This faith, this faith it appeared weak. Right? She, this, wasn't, this wasn't a faith that, that she was, you know, at church and she got all riled, riled up and she had 10 people around her. No, she was at, she had spent everything that she had. It was all gone. And this faith, this faith came in as a thought. And she pressed in and she pressed in. And, you know, this is, this is, this is what a lot of people miss about this part of the story. Listen to this. Was, was she the only person touching Jesus that day? No. What was the difference between her and the crowd that was crowded around Jesus and touching Jesus? It was the faith. Well, hold on a second. Hold, wait, wait a minute. Did all those other people not hear about Jesus? Why were they there? They were touching Jesus. They were right next to him. They heard him. They heard all the same things. Everything that they heard were the same things that she heard. That's why she was there. But you see, she came to that point where she spent all of her natural resources, and she said, I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to pay the price. Somebody say, I'm going to pay the price. See, when, you're fa- when you get to the point where you're willing to pay the price, and you're willing to press in, and you're willing to press in beyond the Christian noise and everything else that's going around, you see, Jesus Okay, what, what happened? It said immediately. See, this, see this, that's the type of faith that immediately gets a response from Jesus. That's the type of faith you don't have to wait. 
You don't have to wait to get a response from Jesus. You immediately get that response. That's the kind of faith that pays the price. Immediately, so verse 30, immediately Jesus perceiving in, his, in himself that power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Now, hold on a second. We, we need to think about this for a second. You know, Jesus, in another gospel, he had said, I do nothing but what I see and hear the Father do, right? So what was he doing? Where was he going? Well, no, the synagogue leader came and said, Go, come and heal my daughter. He didn't come to heal the woman. He didn't come to heal a woman. But let me just tell you something. Faith that pays the price, when it presses in and touches Jesus, it causes the Son of God to turn around and go, who touched me? Come on, somebody. It causes Jesus to turn around. Your faith, God, let me just say something. God has got a purpose. And when he's going and he's going to accomplish it, but you, you, can, you, can, you can cause God to turn around and look at you. You can cause God to turn around and look at you and say, who touched me? It's faith. It's that confident expectation. His disciples said to him, I love this. He said, you see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, who touched me? You just imagine Peter and John, they were like, I'm telling you, he did one too many miracles yesterday. He shouldn't have raised that dude from the dead. He's been out in the sun. It's no good. But I love Jesus because he, you know what, Jesus... Sometimes if you just really read, like, about the stuff that he does, you might think that he's, like, he doesn't, doesn't pay attention, like, to, to his disciples sometimes. Because sometimes his disciples are just, like, worried about the flesh, you know, and they're worried about the way that they might look or that Jesus might look, you know, because they're, they're all there, and Jesus is turning around, he's like, who touched me? I mean, imagine how silly they must have felt, right? You know what Jesus does? I love this. I love this. Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. Hold on, let me go back. And he said to the disciples, you, you see the crowd pressing on you, and you say, who touched me? You know what he does? He goes, he doesn't even pay attention to him. He just says, so he just starts looking around for the question that he asks. Sometimes you need to just stop paying attention to what everybody's doing. Sometimes you just need to look away. And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter. Hmm. Daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Can, can we go back to verse 25? Because I get confused sometimes when I read this story. What does, it, what does it say up there? What? Okay, so go back quick. Go back, go back to the end. Go back to the end. Oh, come on. She walked up obscure and unknown to Jesus, okay, and she walked out of there a daughter. Let me just tell you something. A faith that was willing to press into Jesus, okay, and a faith that was willing to pay the price, it gets a whole lot more than it bargained for when it approaches Jesus, and some of you need, some of you need that type of faith, and you've got to realize that it's going to cost you something. When you get up in front of Jesus, okay, and you cause the Son of the living God to turn around, you're going to get a whole lot more than you walked in the door for. 
Come on, somebody. So there's a price to pay. One more time. Say it. There's a price to pay. Matt 16, 24 says, And Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come on after me, he must pick up his cross, deny himself, and follow after me. Do you know Jesus said that I lay down my life willingly, that nobody is making me do it, and I have the authority to pick it back up again? God's not going to make you pay the price. He's not going to make you pick up your cross. It's something that you have to willingly decide. And let me just say, you've got you to understand this, because, you know, one of the things that, that uh, I've always struggled, let me put it like that, I've struggled with this, is what, is that, what does that mean to me? Like, Jesus, what does that mean to me? Well, you know what? Sometimes it might be as simple, okay? Go back to the very beginning, okay? If you're not, if you're not bracing the cross to the very best of your ability, God isn't going to help you get it across the finish line. Okay, so let me, let me just tell you this, okay? You say, okay, God, I want to stop thinking about the opposite sex like this. I want to stop closing my eyes and always seeing naked people. Okay, well, you know what? Turn off Netflix at night. Okay? God, I want to I want to stop I really want to stop sleeping with my girlfriend, break up with her. Come on, l- listen. That's what that's a faith, okay, that says I'm willing to pay the price. Okay? I want to God, I just I can't I just keep smoking weed and I just okay, stop hanging out with those people. Just walk away. Okay, and let me just tell you, let me just tell you something. The 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 combination of faith and the cross is irresistible to Jesus. It's absolutely irresistible to Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, we always, everybody say always, carry the body of the death of the dying of the, of the dying Lord Jesus with us so that, everybody say, so that the life of God would be manifest in me. No death, no life. Let me just tell you something. When you embrace the cross in your life and you choose to pick it up, he said, pick up the cross. What is the cross? It's that instrument that's going to put your flesh to death, right? It's that thing that's going to kill you, right? He promises you that his life will be manifest inside of you. He promises you that. I am not one for formulas with God, but you can write that one down in the math book of God. That's going to work every time. You embrace the cross with faith, God's going to show up in your life. Just like that. That's how you maintain fellowship with God. That's how when you get into his presence with faith and you say, Lord, I want more. I want revival in my life. And I want it to break out and this and that. And Jesus says, you need to ask for more of the cross. You need to ask for more self-denial. See, he's not going to show up in our lives if we're living lives for ourselves. If we're living it for us, if we're waking up every day and saying, what's Andrew's will? What can I do today? No, that's not the way it works. Remember, you're here to do his will. He said, behold, I've come to do your will, O Lord. That's why he came. And he says, a servant is not above his master. We are supposed to follow in his footsteps. We do what he asks us to do. I got to keep moving. Okay, so there's a price to pay. Did you know, okay, listen to, God asked that, God gave the same choice to Adam and Eve. It's the same thing. God's plan for redemption was the same way. It was the same thing. He said, eat from any tree of the whole garden, whatever you want. But don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what did the Bible says that Eve saw that it was good, the tree was good. Right? It says, I desired the tree. 
that Eve desired the tree. Right? So God gave Eve the choice between her will and his. She chose her will. And here we are today. Jesus came and now brought in redemption and gives you and I the same choice every day. Every day we have the same choice of redemption that Eve did and Adam did. Are we going to choose to fellowship with God? Or are we going to choose our will? It's that simple. He's not going to make you do it. So I'll, I'll wrap up with this. There's two reasons why we don't deny the flesh. Two, okay? We either don't want to or we can't. And let me just tell you something. In case you wonder which camp you fall into, it's both. Not only can you not, because there's things in your life that you just can't stop doing even if you wanted to. And you just keep going back to the bucket and back to the bucket and back to the bucket. And you just keep feeding the flesh. And no matter how many times you try, you always fail. And then there's flat out times that you just don't want to. Now, you may not admit it to yourself, but you just don't want to. So let's talk about the first one first. The one you don't want to. James 1, 14 through 15. This one's personal to me, very personal. But each one, when he is tempted, when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Let's just break this down real quick. When each one of us is tempted and carried away, that word carried away is a hunting and fishing term. It means to be drawn out from a hiding place. So we're drawn out. It says, what are we drawn out and enticed by? Our own lust. Let me, put, let me just tell you something. If you would have put a whole big old line of cocaine up here in front of me, I'd be like, get that away from me. Like, I don't want that. That's not, in my, that's not my lust. That's not my desire. That's not going to get me out of the hiding place. It's not going to get me out of the secret place of the Most High. But the enemy comes and puts something in, me, in front of me that he knows is mine, that he knows that's my desire. All of a sudden, he tries to lure me out of my hiding place with my desire. And the reason that I would take it is because I want to. Come on, somebody. You need to realize that it's your desire. I'm just going to give you a personal example here. And I'm going to say, I'm... I'm, I'm working through it all just like you. I can remember I was sitting in front of, uh, I was sitting in my office, and I had this thought come on me like it was so real, right? I had this thought come on me, and I knew what it was. It was the devil. Like, there was no if, ands, or but. That thought was the devil in my mind. You know, and you know what I did? Absolutely nothing. Two days later, I woke up, and I asked the Lord, because I did the very thing it was like putting in my mind. And I remember asking the Lord, I said, God, why did I do that? I said, I know the authority I have. I said, I could arrest that thought. I could have dealt with that devil. He had to go. He has to be subject to me. I said, why didn't I do that? And he said, and it, was very, it, was, it was like it was an inaudible conversation that lasted five minutes that almost changed everything for me. He said, because you didn't want to arrest the thought. You did the very thing he wanted you to do, and it wasn't even hard for him to get you to do it because you wanted it. You don't resist the things that you want. And so then all of a sudden I had this problem because I realized I had to agree. But you can't disagree with God. As you can, it's just not going to get you anywhere. I had to agree with him. Okay, I, you're right. I do want to do that. But then I had to tell him something else I didn't like about myself. I said, I still want to do it. I said, the fact that you told me that I wanted to do it and I have to agree didn't change the fact that I still want to do it. 
And so he brought it up one more level for me. He said, okay. This is how God and I talk to each other, right? Okay. So there's two forces in this world. There's good and there's evil. There's Satan and there's God, right? I don't care which way you split it. That's the way that God says it works. That's what the Bible says, right? So if I am not, let me give you the reference just so you know. Go to Galatians. It says the spirit desires against the flesh and the flesh desires against the spirit. There's two. That's it, right? So if I, if I am on the side of the flesh, who am I aligning my will with? Satan. God asked me that question that day as I was lying in my bed. He said, do you want to align your will with Satan's or do you want to align your will with mine? It's not a matter of whether you want to do that thing anymore. It's a matter of if you want to align your will with the devil's or not. You need to understand something. It's all the devils. And when you, when you align your will with the devils, you're openly inviting them into your life. And it doesn't just stop with that thing. That thing, it can go in and, listen, when the, the Bible talks about our lives being a fortress or a city, and we don't have self-control, it says a man without self-control is like a city without walls. And so the devil can come in and out and in and out. And you know what? He's got access to the whole city. And, and you're thinking he's just got one little thing. No, he's got access to the whole thing is because it's his. All of the flesh is his. And so let's just say something. You're, you're refusing to give up pornography. You're refusing to give up sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're refusing to give up the drugs. You're refusing to give up... God said, let me just tell you something. If God's putting his finger on Netflix in your heart, that's the devil. And that's because that's what he said. You see, you see this is what he said. Whatever does not proceed. Help me preach, Holy Spirit. Listen, what, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So if you, if, listen, if you've got the question in your heart, is this sin or is it not? It's real simple. Go ask Jesus. Is that simple? Because sometimes things aren't black and white. But let me just tell you something. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. He's the helper. And he can be counted upon. So why don't you just go to him, ask him, ask him that thing. Lord, am I spending too much time in Netflix? And if you, let me just tell you something. Maybe, maybe you ask him that question and you're like, well, I don't know how to hear God's voice. Well, you know what? You still asked him and he's going to show up and he's, gonna, he's going to do it with you. It might be a sermon you listen to next week or it might be a friend that catches you in the parking lot and says something. But let me just tell you something. He will answer you when you ask him the question. He can be counted upon. Oh, you guys got me all confused. Now. I don't know where I'm at. So last thing on James. Listen. It's our own lust that draws us out. It says, when lust was conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when his sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. You know, the Bible says that we are to be the sweet aroma of Christ, that we spread it everywhere we go. A lot of us just smell like death. We just stink. And we don't smell like Jesus. And, you know, it's real simple. There's no, there's, there's no cross. We're just not embracing the cross in our lives. We can, we'll, never, we'll, we'll never find freedom in our life from sin until we are willing to stare down ourselves in the mirror and say, Lord, I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to press in. I'm willing to bear the cross. I'm willing to get to the point where I've spent everything, and I have a faith that presses in beyond the crowd, beyond the noise, touches you, causes you to turn around, and brings me in and says, Daughter, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Faith that pays the price gets Jesus' attention. 
Now, this is a bit more of a complicated one, why you can't. And I'm going to spend maybe two minutes talking about it because it could turn into like a 45-minute sermon, and we don't want that because Seth's got to get home. Okay. Okay. So, legitimately, there are reasons... There are reasons, give me two minutes and I'll be done. There are reasons in your life that you literally cannot resist sin. And those things that you go back to over and over and over and over and over again, okay, those are just symptoms of something else going on in your life. For me, it was unforgiveness. Let me just tell you something. Things like alcohol and pornography and drugs, those things come in your life, okay, because of a deeper, deeper root issue. Now, they can be something that you just want and you're desiring. But let me just tell you something. I walked in unforgiveness. I had, I, had some, I had trauma happen to me years ago, you know, and I thought I forgave those people, and I thought I moved on. I saw, let me just tell you something. And this is as God began to unfold it in my life. I saw this man this one time years after the offense. I saw this man, and I got triggered so bad to go to my vice I couldn't wait to just go do my thing, right? And I asked God, and I prayed, and I said, Jesus, why? I said, I've forgiven that person. It shouldn't do that to me. I've forgiven that person. Why does it hurt so bad? Why, how, how do I get free from this, you know? And as I began to pray, I'm telling you, it, and, and this is a real thing that's happened to me. I was sitting there in my office at work, and I was praying, and the Lord brings this other person totally unrelated to the person that offended me and bring back something that happened to me when I was 18 years old. And it was, it was trauma that I had not experienced up to that point in this memory that I thought I'd just let go. And the Holy Spirit brought it back to me and said, you need to forgive that person. So as I began, I, and I said, okay, i got to call that person. So I called that person up because we still have a very good relationship today. And I said, listen, I, I, God has spoken to me, and I have harbored unforgiveness towards you in my heart for 10 years. And this person on the other end of the phone said, well, I forgive you, and I love you, and let's pray. And so, you know, we prayed. And as soon as that person said, Father, we speak out the blood over Andrew, let me just tell you something. I was standing in my truck, and I was just, I was crying, I was crying. I started throwing up. I started, and there was nothing that was coming out. I literally started throwing up in my truck. And, I, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me afterwards and said, the root of bitterness and unforgiveness is now gone. And let me just tell you things, sin started to fall off of me in a way that I had not expected before because I knew how to get free from sin. Listen, when you, there are things in your life, and unforgiveness is probably the main one, so I want to I encourage you, unforgiveness, bitterness, pride, those things, those result in sin like pornography, alcohol addiction, you know, uh, sex addiction. Those things come from these other things that we don't give up, like unforgiveness. And let me just tell you something, I thought I forgave him. I thought it was all done. I didn't know. You need to be able to know the Holy Spirit showing you that so you can get free. But you, you can struggle your whole life with something. You can struggle your whole life with something and have no idea that it's related to unforgiveness or bitterness. Those things, unforgiveness is probably the, one of the biggest things, not only in the church today, okay, but in the world that causes people to remain in bondage and have open access and have the devil have open access to their lives. Did you know that unforgiveness, that ain't God. It's Satan. And so, again, you're giving him access to your life every time you hold on to unforgiveness. In fact, Jesus said, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. Right? All right. Can I get the worship team to go? Let me give you, well, let's close with this, okay? 
here's a, I want to give you this concluding thought, okay? What's your one thing? And I know that I've heard, I've heard, man, I've heard, grew up hearing that. What's that one thing, right? Well, let me just tell you something. Take that one thing, whatever it is, and I'm just believing that as we're speaking here tonight that the Holy Spirit was working in you, and he was bringing things up in you that he wants to deal with. And it's because he loves you and he has his best, his best in mind for you, not because he wants to keep things from you. Right? So I want to encourage you to lay that one thing down on the altar tonight and choose to embrace it. And it's going to cost you something. It's not going to be easy. It wasn't easy when he went to the cross for us and endured the pain. Right? But he's our example. So let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done here tonight and the word that you've spoken. Lord Jesus, we just ask that you would guard the word that has gone out tonight, Lord, that it would not return to you void, but that would find its way into the hearts of those that were listening here tonight, Lord. I just ask that they would go forth and prosper, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Father, just listen to me here, everyone. If, you, if, this, if, this, if this touched your heart, I want to pray for you right now. So if there's something that God's laid on your heart, I just want you to raise your hand right now, and I want to pray for you. So, Father, Lord, with, that, with the hands stretched high right now to you, Lord Jesus, we just lift these to you. Lord, and we just ask that you would begin, Lord, you, you will not let the work go unfinished in them. So, Father, I pray that as they act their faith, as they put the one foot in front of the other and they do the things that they can do, Lord, I pray that you would just now come pick up the things that they cannot do, Lord, and that you would bring them across the finish line in these areas. And, Lord, that you would help them to experience true freedom and to truly experience Jesus. And if you came in here tonight and you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus, I want to introduce him to you right now. Just raise your hand. If you want to know him, I want to introduce him to you right now. And he's going to, and I trust that he's going to come real to you. So just, I see those hands. So just repeat after me, Lord Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. And I just lay that before you. I ask you in your name that you would come into my life. I acknowledge what you did for me. Make me new. Keep me, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. You guys stand and worship Jesus with me. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at We Are Refuge. Thank you.